Well, good morning. Wow, left side, you got an A. Let's try over here. Good morning. Awesome, man, that is such a good song. Don't you love that song? You know, I got the, one of the things about speaking at a place that has two or three services is things you like, you get to relive again. And man, I got to relive that song. Just, I, I like it. I was saying to the first service that there, uh, if you're new to reading the Bible or you're a new believer, that's great. I'm so excited. If you've never heard this term before, I'm going to throw it out. There's a term called anointing. And some songs are anointed. Some songs are good. Some songs are anointed. Let me, let me say it this way. Um, you know, you can fry chicken in a skillet if you want, right? But if you put some oil in there, it's better, right? Everybody tracking with me? Come on, y'all fried chicken in Southeast Texas. You know what I'm saying? All right, that song's got some Crisco on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Great are you, Lord. It's just good. It's so good. All right, how are you doing this morning, CW? Again, left side, A+. Plus. <laughs> I'm teasing. I got a little, oh, good over here. That's good. All right, let me, let me pull this back up. Hey, I'm just so glad to be here because, first of all, I love you guys. Many of you don't know me, but I love this church. I love your pastor. He's been a good friend to me. In fact, Scripture says that we have many teachers, but we have few fathers. And Pat, Pastor Pat, I'm not sure what y'all call him, Reverend Pat. I'm going to get him a collar. Anyway, um, he's been a real father to me. I needed a father voice. I launched a church a few years ago, and just he came alongside of me and just... Man, just bother me. You guys have such a good pastor. But you, in general, it's a beautiful church. I love you guys. The things that you do, I always see you and hear about you. The church I attend right now, we just uh, we got flooded. Our, our homes did because uh, Finette is a marsh. <laughs> we built a house in it. Smart. Anyway, and uh, you guys showed up. I'm in the parking lot, and I see some CW shirts. Just amazing people. Uh, we've been connected to this place for about five years, and uh, you guys have helped us out. You helped us plant a church, and we saw families restored, marriages restored. I remember we were in the launching phase, and I brought people. We all sat back on the back row over there, and there was one family. They were separated, and she came, and she was a part of it, and they got back. To, we weren't even a church yet, and you guys were part of that. Uh, there were people that went through tough scenarios, and they recovered, and they learned how to walk with Christ in that. And here's the best part. We saw just shy of 200 life changing decisions for Jesus. I mean, okay, again, front row, this side. You all missed a good chance to shout. Let's try that again. We saw just shy of 200 life-changing decisions for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Hey, I'm a little, I'm not Pat. I love Pat because he balances me out. I'm a little bit theatrical, a little bit animated. I wish I had Jesse's voice. Doesn't it, you, Jesse makes me want to start a podcast. Welcome to the Leadership Podcast. Four leaders, by leaders, two leaders. Got that great DJ voice, you know. <clears throat> anyway, this church has been great. It's connected me with people that I've wanted to know for 20 years. I've yet to surf with Eric, but uh, we got connected because of this church. We showed up in Bible studies together. Whenever I fell, all of a sudden I come out, Eric, what are you doing there? Uh, but most of all, it's been a place that my father has come to rest for a season. And I'm super thankful that. You guys are awesome. You guys are a good church. You're the local church, and we need more of them. Can I hear an amen? All right. We might, who plays organ in here? I might need one in a minute, because <laughs> that left side's on. Anyway, you know, I've noticed one thing over the five years, and I put this up here. I'm not going to use it, but just for familiar, because, you know, doesn't Pat use this? Does he do this? Does he, I don't know. You guys like to have fun, and I love that. 
I love that you guys like to have fun. You know, when we come to church, we should worship, we should pray, we should connect together, we should serve, we should figure out ways to do things better, and obviously y'all do. Y'all are always getting better at stuff. It's just amazing. Um, we should try to figure out ways to reach our community. We should come to the place where we know Jesus, where we find freedom, where we ultimately discover the purpose God made us for, and where we make a difference. We should do all those things. But you know what we should do for sure when we come to church? We should have fun. We should have fun. I mean, the scripture says, well, let me say it this way, fun produces joy. And scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I see people sometimes and, and they say, man, I got the joy of the Lord. I'm like, really? Because you need to notify your face. Uh, anyway, why, uh, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, let's have some fun. Now look at your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, let's have some fun. All right, a church that I led one time, every time I came up on the platform, I would greet them with, what's up? They were all millennials and pretty much all in their 20s. Um, and I was, literally, I was one of the oldest. I was 36 at the time. And, um, and they would respond back, what's up? And they'd start clapping, do a little jig in their seat, and some music would come on, and we would, we would just celebrate. Do you know why we would celebrate? I'm, here's why. Isn't that what we're here to do? We celebrate. It's kind of like a party. And so because you like to have fun, and I thought, you know, I'm going to try that because these guys are kind of my family. There's many new faces, but some of you are still, you know, you're all my family. That could have been bad. Let me retract that. You're all my family. Uh, I thought we should try that. So can we try that? Let's practice real quick. I'm going to say, what's up, CW? Really loud. Some of y'all might need to put some hearing aids in. And then you guys respond back with, what's up? And you kind of clap and do a little jig in your seat. Listen, some of y'all come from a Southern Baptist background, so I know you got some secret dance lessons in there. You know how to do some of this. You know what I mean? All right, so let's try that. In. You ready? Here we go. I got to work on this side. You guys all right over here? <laughs> I'm teasing. I love y'all. There's a free dollar under your seat. I'm just teasing. There's nothing. All right, you ready? What's up, CW? Okay, all right, all right. Now, that's boring because there's no music. So how about we do it right? You guys ready? Doc, you ready in the back? Okay, here we go. What's up, CW? Yeah! Woo! There you go. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> That's good. Well, okay. We're we feeling a little better now. You're like, what the heck was that about? I don't know. I really, I don't know. Um, if you're a guest today, thank you, or you're new to this environment, thanks for visiting. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. This church is glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And uh, I'm not the normal person up here. I'm, I'm not really normal. <laughs> and so you should come back next week, and it'll be stable <laughs> and, and normal. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I don't want to go any further without uh, honoring my wife. She should be here, uh, but we, we are kids ministers in this season of our life, and she stayed back to run first service, and then stuff happened second service, and she says, I'm on my way. And so anyway, um, <clears throat> I don't want to go any, oh, look, there's a picture of my wife. I don't want to go any further without honor, but seriously, there's two pictures up there, and that's all there's going to be. I'm not going to be one of these people that show a million pictures of my <laughs> wife. I would never do that. Seriously, that's weird. I mean, well, you know, I just wouldn't. Oh, okay. She fine, y'all. Anyway. <laughs> She's not here. I can talk about. Oh, oh! I got jokes. I should stop. But anyway, <clears throat> I, I got to tell you. When I looked at her the other night, she 
And I, I promised her I'm going to build her a house. We sold our house uh, in the land of Mid-County to launch a church. You know, we wanted to give everything that we had. And so we needed some cash. We sold our house to do it. And I, I promised her I would build her a house again one day. And I said, we're getting close to building a house. And she just looks at me like, man, that ain't happening. And I said, well, baby, we don't need it because you're a brick house. Right? <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to throw something at you. Anyway, we have six incredible children because she's fine, y'all. Anyway, and uh, be sure to pick up a fundraising letter in the back, okay? Because Christmas is coming. No, I'm teasing. We don't do it that way. Seriously, just give the money straight to me. No, not, not really. Is this God comedian? Is he going to teach us this morning? So one more thing. The last church that I led, we like to learn from the Word of God, and we like to laugh. We definitely like to laugh a lot. And so I want to show you something humorous this morning, just to lighten your load, if I can. Now, I already said that we have six children, so you can imagine going through the drive through at restaurants becomes a little interesting for us at times. I think this video will kind of explain it. Go ahead, guys. We're at this Taco Bell drive through right? And uh, we get, it takes us 15 minutes. We get all the kids orders, whatever, hopefully okay. We get all the bags, get the money, get the food, throw the bags in the back, we drive off. A second later, one of my sons starts complaining in the back. Like, I didn't order hard-shell tacos. Mother. <laughs> I said nachos. She goes, oh, my sweet. Cool. Well, I have no idea how that fits in today with what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's true. But you feel good, right? You know why you feel good? Because the scripture in Proverbs says that laughter is good like medicine. You just got some medicine. That's good. The local church is medicine. It's medicine for this community. All right. So if you have a paper Bible with you this morning or a smart device, turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, or look that up. And if not, no worries, we're going to have it on the screen just for you. Uh, let's go ahead and pray for just a moment. Holy Spirit, I welcome you here today. Come and have your way. Come and guide us and lead us into all truth. Give the words that I articulate this morning greater life beyond my ability. May we all come to the knowledge of the truth today, whatever it is that we need. We need you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so this morning I want to share with you a story from the Bible. I'm going to relate it to your life. And then I'm going to give you one thing that if you use it, it'll help. Everybody say one thing. 
Hey, they did good, yo. Woo! <laughs> we got some whoop whoop in the back there. Awesome. I love it. <clears throat> one more time, everybody say one thing. I'm going to get to the one thing, but we got to talk for a little bit. So, you know, sometimes you don't know, you, I, we don't know what's in us or what we're capable of uh, until a demand is placed on our life. Game changers are people who have demands placed on their life, and then amazing stuff begins to happen. Let me say that again. We don't understand, sometimes we don't realize who we are and what's inside of you until a demand has been placed on your life, some kind of pressure, if you will. And then great things begin to come out of you. A game changer is a person who has that demand placed on them, and then stuff begins to happen. One of the things I like about this church is that it loves people. I've noticed that. This community knows it. You guys love your, your community. It's a game-changing church. That's exactly why I titled this Game Changer. So what is a game changer? Well... Let's read the story and we'll find out. Sound good? Everybody found Exodus 17? Okay, good. Let me set this story up first. And just remember, some people know this story and some might not. Might not. So go ahead and uh, just consider that. There's a people group of a nation called Israel. They're actually not a nation yet. They're just a people group. They're going to become the nation of Israel. And they have been in slavery for over 450 years. And I want that to sink in for a minute. Our nation hasn't existed 450 years. These guys have been in slavery that long. So finally, they cry out to God, save us, deliver us. So God does. He delivers them. He sends a person to deliver them. A guy named Moses, you might have heard of him. And so Moses takes them, leads them out of the nation of Egypt that they're in slavery. He leads them through the desert, a little small part of it, then to a big body of water called the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea on dry ground. It's in there. Go read about it. Sounds kind of crazy, but it's true. They cross that, they get on the other side, and then their enemies are following them, the Egyptian, at the time the most powerful military on planet Earth. And then God drowns them all in the Red Sea. So their enemies are drowned. Now they're out in the desert, and God takes them to this resort-like place with palm trees and lots of pools. Don't believe me? It's in there. Go read it. It doesn't say Marriott, but I mean, it's close enough. And then every morning, they've got something to eat. They're basically eating Wonder Bread that tastes like honey. Again, that's in there. Go read it. I'm just trying to make it relevant for you. And then they want some meat, and so they get to this place where God says, all right. So he just rains down. If you read the scripture, I don't know if they had to like swing at them like baseball or if they just died, but basically a lot of quail show up, and they heap up these piles of quail so they can have meat. So life is doing really good for them. They're hanging out in the desert. They're eating well, their enemies are behind them, and they're drowned. They're living in the desert free. Free. That's what they wanted. But then they got thirsty. So everybody found 17? Let's start reading there. Verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to test? So they're frustrated with God or, or the guy that God chose to lead them. Let me say that again. They're frustrated with the guy that God chose to lead them. Key phrase, God chose. So they're not really testing God. They're testing the Lord. Verse 3. But the people were thirsty 
for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? You know, it's like they forgot. They forgot they were slaves. They forgot all they did was ask for freedom. I've done that. Have you ever done that before? Have you forgotten how good God has been to you? When you were sick and everything said, doctors included, that you weren't going to recover and yet you did. When you didn't know how you'd pay a bill and you ended up paying three. When you didn't know your next meal would come from and now you own a restaurant. God has been good to us. I've forgotten at times. We all have. Let's keep reading. Where was I at? <laughs> all right. Verse four. Thank you. Uh, then Moses. Now remember, they're, crying, they're, they're mad at Moses because they're thirsty. Verse 4, then Moses cried out to the Lord, God, you need to save these people because I'm about to choke them. That's not what he said. That's what I would have said. What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. You know, so here people are, they have stones, they're ready to take them and throw them at Moses. But he's such a good leader. Look at him, he's still concerned about the people. And he's talking to God about him. Kind of reminds me of Pat. If you're new here, that's the pastor here. He loves you guys. Loves you so much. Verse 5, then the Lord answered Moses. Just a side note, you got a question? Ask God. He will always, always, let me say it, always answer you. He's like, no, that's not true. Wait a minute. He will. Maybe not in the time you wanted it. Maybe not in the way that you wanted to hear it. But he will always answer you. If you're a parent, would you not answer your kid if they gave you a question? Might not be, Mommy, I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Nope. That wasn't what they wanted to hear, but you, you gave them an answer. God will always give you an answer. And he did to Moses right here. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Now, I love this. I love what he tells Moses. The reason why is this is what a leader does. This is what a game changer does. This is what a game changing church does. He, she, they get out in front of the problem. They get out in front of the scenario, the situation, and they look ahead. You know, it's good to be family and friends with people that you lead, people that you work with, people that you're connected to. But sometimes you can't always go hang out at the taco truck with them. Sometimes you got to lead them. It's necessary to lead. Now, I'm, the reason I'm talking about this morning, this is a leading church. This is a leadership church. Sometimes you got to lead. And if you love them, you say, well, I love them. Well, if you love them, you're going to lead them. If you got kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We love them, so therefore, we need to lead them. In fact, let me take a moment and talk to some of the fathers in here. Uh, because I have six kids, even if I just had one, I think about this stuff a lot. But we only have about 20 years to train and then coach our children. And then we can be their friends for the next 80. But right now, because we love them, we need to lead them. Let's not be their buddies. Let's be the leader. They're looking for leadership. And I'm not going to get into this. I said it last service. But uh, I will say to the older generation, anybody that would be considered retirement, 65 and above, we need you. We, I, you earned it. You earned the, the opportunity to go to the golf course, to take a cruise to the Bahamas. But don't go to the golf course five days in a row. Don't take a Bahama trip every other week. I mean, unless you take me. Don't take one. Here's why. Because we still need you. 
We need you to get out in front of us and lead. I guess I was. I guess I am going here. Um, I see a few older people. God's really doing something and moving in there in their leadership ability. Instead of just kind of retiring and enjoying this season of their life, and they are to a degree, they're stepping back and leading again. Uh, I give you an example. A friend of mine, he moved from Los Angeles, California, which is beautiful. He's enjoying the weather. And he packed everything up in his 60s and moved to southeast Texas. He left the Dream Center of Los Angeles and started one here in southeast Texas. I remember he called me during Harvey. And he says, hey, we grabbed our earthquake bags. Anything else? I said, you need to hook up to that RV and get the heck out of here. It's called a flood. (laughs) And they lost everything. They lost everything. But God's given it all back to them. Who does that? Who does that? Who says, you know what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to lead. And now they have the former juvenile facility right there on Highway 69. I think you guys have been a part of it at times. You know, I think about guys like my father. He comes to church here. My dad could be at a church somewhere and be a part of the, the Oasis group, the older adults still in service. You know, they open your car door, valet, give you donuts. That's a good job. I bet you you guys will have that one day, knowing Pat. He's, he's a thinker. Um, he could be doing that, and that's fine. My dad could be out playing golf, but instead he chose to help me launch a church. He chose to get involved with all these people that he didn't know, cultures he didn't understand an age that he wasn't familiar with. And as a result, my dad got to see many people give their life to Christ. He got to see someone walk through scenarios that they would have no hope but because they know Jesus, they're they're different. He got to walk some of them down the aisle because they had no fathers. And they said, Mr. Dan, would you walk me? And, you know, you got to imagine my dad. He's just happy about it all. He stepped out. He got in front and he led. Just like Moses, he got in front of the people and he led. Let me tell you two more just, to, just because. I think it's important. Uh, in May, I was with a guy named John Maxwell down in the nation of Paraguay. John Maxwell, 72. He could be a retired pastor. Got like 26 million copies of his books sold. The guy could just retire and sit back. He lives in Palm Beach. Beautiful golf courses around there. And he plays. But instead, he picks up everything he does. And he, he goes to different nations to bring transformations. They don't pay him. He's paying. He's going, he's meeting with presidents and community leaders and transforming school districts and businesses and villages. Why? Because he's getting out in front of the people. Here's the last one. And I'm not being political, whether you like him or not. It's it's not the point. We have a president, again, 72, something about that age. My dad's that age. I mean, it's interesting. He's... Got all the money in the world, got great houses, and everybody liked him, at least at one point, right? And he says, you know what? Nah, I could sit back and relax, but I think I'm going to go try to run a country and move into a house that doesn't look anything like mine, and everybody's going to not like me anymore. What is it about these, this older generation? I don't know, but I want to encourage you. If you're feeling that rise up in you, respond to that call. We need you. I'm only 41. That's old to some of y'all, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm 41 years young, right? We need you guys. We need you. We look to your leadership. So let me, let me jump back off of that. Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Here's what God's answer. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. I just kind of gave you an explanation of that. Let's finish that verse. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock. And water will come out of it for the people to drink. 
So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So here's the deal. By God getting Moses out in front of the people, he was changing his leadership style. He was changing the way he did things. And just like I was saying about the older generation and even us, he was getting him ready for something that was coming. In Moses' case, it's battle. It's a battle that's coming. What is it in your case, in my case? If you feel like God's shifting the way that you lead, the way that you father, the way that you mother, embrace it. Embrace it because God is shifting our season to take us to the next level, to take us to a higher level. He's getting you ready. Let's keep reading verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, new guy, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, two new guys, Aaron and Hur, went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. That's Aaron and Hur. And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady, his hands remained steady until sunset. You know, in life, you need to be or you need to follow a steady-handed leader, not a heavy-handed leader. Again, I love Pat. Pat has a steady hand. He is a steady-handed leader. You guys are wise to be here. So 13, Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. I love that. He overcame. Isn't that the goal? The goal is to overcome scenarios. So Joshua's got his hands on the battle. Moses has his hands up for the battle. And Aaron and Hur have their hands under Moses because of the battle. So here's where Moses has to not keep his hands on the battle, but he has to get them up. And sometimes in life, maybe you're the kind of person you want to keep your hands on, but that's not the season you need to be in. You need to determine where that is. Is it up? Is it on? Is it under? And God, if you put them up, God will show you the right people to get their hands on and to get their hands on. Let me give you a few examples. Let's just say you coach your kid's soccer team. All right? Well, obviously, that's your hands on. You got your hands on and you're, you're being a part of that. But if you don't coach your kid's soccer team, you need to get your hands up. Your hands always need to be up if they're your kids, coaching or not. And when your hands are up, God will show you the right coach to put your kids under, the right team to put your kids on. Everybody tracking with me on that? Oh, I need my organ player. Everybody tracking with me on that? Good, good. Uh, let me give you one more example. Let's just use the churches. Obviously, Pat, the pastor, is the one who has their hands up. But we need people to get their hands on. And that's where guys like Justin, by the way, I'm getting my little Justin started kid. What do you think, man? Good. Jason, my bad. Sorry about that. You need guys like Jason. You need guys like Jesse and guys like Matt because they have their hands on. Someone who makes sure that the children are taught the word of God. Someone who's getting into all the schools and the high schools and reaching the students. Someone who is uh, spending time with the young adults every evening and investing their lives and leadership and the word of God into the millennial generation. Someone who bathes this house with, house with worship so that when people come in, that life scenarios and problems 
just kind of fade away. That's what hands-on are. We need those type of people. But just like Aaron and her were guys who had their hands under Moses, sometimes we need to be in a place where our hands are under. Well, what's that look like? Well, it's real simple. Let's just go back to the soccer team scenario. Your hands up, your hands on. Let's say it's neither one. Here's how you can get your hands under. Make sure your kid practices. Watch his uniform. Ask the coach, hey, anything you need? Anything I can do? It's just a way of thinking. What about in church? Well, it's simple. We know that Pat has his hands up and the elders have their hands up and the staff has their hands on. But we, you and I, can get our hands under. How do you do that? Well, you can, and this is a church that actually does this, but you could work a camera. You could serve at the door. You could be in the parking lot. You could change some diapers. Come on, somebody. You can get an extra reward for them diaper changers. You can be involved. You can make some coffee. There are so many ways we can get our hands under. You know, the life of Jesus was not just for forgiveness. Uh, he didn't come just for that, although that's a good starting place. He came for so much more than that. He came to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. If you look in scripture, it always says on earth as it is in heaven. Go back to the gospels. You'll see Jesus constantly talking and teaching about the kingdom. But here's the cool thing about Jesus. He doesn't just talk and teach. He actually showed us. You see, Jesus had his hands up when he stretched them out on the cross to die for our sins, for you and me, and redeem us. And Jesus had his hands on every time he healed someone, a lame person, a sick person, a crippled person, and they recovered. And Jesus had his hands under in so many scenarios. Just like Aaron and her had their hands under to help restore Moses back to the moment, Jesus pulled up Peter to restore him right back on side of him where he belonged. But he didn't just show us then. He's still doing it now. Scripture says that Jesus has his hands up right now because he's mediating to the Father for you and for me. And that he has his hands on every situation that you have no control of. And he has his hands under you every time you think you're drowning and you don't know what to do. He still cares about you and me. He's doing it today. He's still moving and he's still proving that he is a good God. Man, you just missed a good chance to shout right there. I'll do it for you. Woo! Anyway, let me kind of bring you back. So as I told you at the beginning, I said I would share a story, one story from the Bible with you that I relate it to your life. And that'll give you one thing, just one thing, that if you use it, it'll help you. CW, you ready for the one thing? Oh, this section's good. CW, you ready for the one thing? Yeah. All right, now it's going to be in the form of a question. I'm going to put in a little country phrase. Where are your hands at? Where are your hands at? Basically, where are they at? What are you doing with them? Put them up. Put them on something, somewhere, some situation, community, family, work, someplace in your life. Uh, before I close out here, I just want to tell you this. I was a school teacher for many years, and everybody learns one of three ways, auditory, visual, or kinesthetic. So you heard me, you see it, and I'm going to give you something to touch on your way out. Just a little sticker. Just take it off, put it on your rearview mirror. Um, ladies who like to do their mascara at red lights only, please. Uh, <clears throat> put, it, put it in your deal so that you can go, where are your hands at? Oh, they need to be here. Um, anyway, just grab it, and you'll never, I'm telling you, God will use it. He'll talk to you. 
You won't remember me, and I don't really care. I'm not mad at that. But you'll remember what the Lord said to you today.